You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. Life was not easy for followers of Jesus in first century Galatia. You probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about what life was like in first century Galatia recently, but here's a glimpse. These folks had walked away from paganism. They stopped worshiping the gods of the Greek and Roman culture. That meant, in all likelihood, and we hear similar things in other places in the New Testament, that their neighbors and people they thought were their friends, colleagues, perhaps even their family members, had begun to look at them askance at a minimum, and perhaps had shunned them entirely, or worse. Their commitment to following Jesus means that the Roman world would have problems with them. At the same time, they've committed to follow a Jewish Messiah. And that means all these Jewish people have now got some expectations for them. We've been reading all about that throughout the letter, haven't we? We've discovered that one of those expectations involved a particular ritual, one that involved a knife and their bodies. And some of them were open to that. They wanted to be good followers of the Jewish Messiah. But now, in their desire to be good followers of the Jewish Messiah, the guy who planted the church in the first place is angry with them because they're offering themselves to this ritual of circumcision. And so he's written this letter. And it's kind of an ornery letter at times, isn't it? I mean, it's like he's yelling at them with his pen. So they've got some hard things going on in their lives. they got pressure from their neighbors, pressure from the Jewish faction, pressure from Paul. We kind of read this letter and we usually think, man, they need to get it in line. But I wonder if we could even sympathize with him. Like, it's, this is hard. Hard to follow Jesus in this place. What do we do at this crossroads, this juncture? Now, Paul has just finished talking about the fruit of the Spirit. If there's anything in Galatians we know, it's probably the fruit of the Spirit part, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, those those kinds of things. For Paul, that's the heart of the holy life. When Paul talks about holiness, he's not talking about pulling out that list, the legalism, the do this way, don't do that don't hang out with these kinds of people. Be sure you don't, don't you know, follow the rules. Like sometimes we hear holiness and that's where our minds go, isn't it? For, but for Paul, holiness is about Jesus. It's not a thing, it's a hymn. It's Jesus. And it's about the character of Jesus showing up in my body, the way I speak, the way I use my time and my energy, the way I offer myself to others for their sake. So Paul says, like if, G, if you belong to Jesus, and if His Spirit dwells in you, if you live by His Spirit, then your character is going to look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the character of Jesus. That's what holiness looks like. And that's what our shared life should look like, He tells the Galatians. 
Now, in light of that, the Galatians might be inclined to raise some questions to Paul. They might be tempted to reply by saying something like, you know, Paul, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that's all well and good when things are going just fine. But we're under pressure here. Our colleagues don't like us anymore because we don't go to the temple with them. The people from Jerusalem, we thought we were getting into this new great thing, but they, they've got expectations, and now we're trying to, to get along with our new brothers in Christ, and you're angry at Like, what are we supposed to do right now? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Given all of this conflict. It's hard right now. How are we supposed to be holy when it's hard? When we're tempted to just write all of you off. Whether you're an apostle, or from Jerusalem, or wherever. We're facing these temptations. We're under this pressure. We hear you say, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. But it's hard, Paul. It's hard. What do we do? And I get the impression that Paul anticipated that line of questions. And I'm Guessing there's a connection between first century Christians and 21st century Christians. Yeah, the hard stuff may not be the same stuff, but I'm guessing there's a point in your life where you said to Jesus, this is hard. What do I do? How do I cope? I want to honor you with my life. I don't know how to do that right now because the pressure is too And the temptation is great. The temptation to just not walk away, but I can stick my faith in the drawer pretty easily. How am I supposed to be holy when it's hard? And so Paul offers us help in this. Because he wants us to discover, he wants us to see how a community marked by compassion Strengthens all of us to be faithful in temptation. He invites the Galatians, he invites us to cultivate a certain kind of community. Like when it's hard, it's not the time to go solo. That may be one of the major temptations, isn't it? Let me just shut people off. Let me hold people back. I can't let people in when I feel vulnerable. They'll probably just make it worse. Paul says there's a certain kind of community that you have to cultivate, a certain kind of Christian community. And if you cultivate that, it won't be easy, but if you cultivate that, you will be strengthened when you are tempted. So what does that look like? Paul invites them to consider what a community of accountable discipleship looks like. Now, this is one of those texts we frequently just skip. That's the trouble with preaching through whole books of the Bible. If I skipped the tough ones, you'd know. Right? You were here last week. You're coming next week. If I skipped the one about confronting people in their sin, you'd be like, ah, <laughs> he chickened out. So we can't do that. So this is one of those texts, right, about accountability, where Paul says, if anyone is detected in a transgression, here's what you do. 
And we think, man, I'd rather not be detected in a transgression if I, <laughs> if I can help it. And I'd rather not go around detecting people in their transgressions if I can't help it. Now, some of you do like to do that. And I just, like, you need to listen carefully. <laughs> Don't look around. Most of us would rather just look the other way, right? Like, like we're inclined to think this sentence should go like this. If anyone is in, detected in a transgression, look the other way. Because that's going to get awkward real quick, won't it? Like, that's kind of, let's just play nice. Let's just ignore that. Let's go grab a coffee or lunch and just pretend that didn't happen. But that's not what Paul says. Because Paul is deeply concerned about the character of the community and the life of the church and how the church honors Jesus and its shared life. And so if transgression works its way in, you have to deal with it. Now, the way he commends dealing with it is very specific. And it's aimed at the health of everyone in the community and the community as a whole. If anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit, right? Christians, we're not farming this out to somebody who's not a part of the life of the community. You who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, there's the first unexpected word, isn't it? Because typically, when we're talking about, like, somebody's transgression, or maybe our transgression... We're worried that the people who decide they need to deal with it will not be gentle. Amen? That's what we get worried about. We're worried that someone's going to say, let me deal with your transgression with a spirit of harshness or anger or self-righteousness or maybe I just want to embarrass you and get one over on you. Those kinds of. That's why we are resistant to even talking about these kinds of things at all. That's why we skip passages like Ephesians 6.1. But Paul is inviting the community to be accountable to one another, to be focused on their discipleship, because the focus of discipleship is growing in Christ-likeness. And if we ignore the things in our lives and each other's lives that are not like Jesus, we'll never be like him, will we? Like if I'm not willing to do a real self-evaluation in the context of the community, about whether my life is increasingly marked by the character of Jesus, then I'm not really following him. I'm not really on the path of discipleship. And so I need space in my life where where people can say, hey, you know, I see a thing in your life I heard your tone of voice in that conversation the other day. I love you. That didn't sound like Jesus. I want to be here for you and help you. A lot of us would rather you just leave us alone, but imagine someone loving you enough to help your heart be more like Jesus. That's the vision Paul is inviting the community to embrace here. Accountable discipleship so that the world will see people who look more and more like Jesus every day. So when you are faced with that temptation, whatever it is, fill in the blank. 
You've got people around you who love you enough to say, let me walk with you in this trial. Let me walk with you in this season of pain. Let me walk with you in this place where you feel like your soul is torn or, or, or you can't make it out alive. Let me walk with you. Let us help you. And for Paul, that is marked by compassion. It's marked by gentleness. It's marked by the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It's marked by the fruit of the Spirit. So he instructs those who have the Spirit. Care for people in the community. When they're feeling those hard moments of temptation and they don't feel like they'll make it, can you gently walk beside them to help them be restored? That's another crucial unexpected aspect here, isn't it? Restoration. Some of you might have been in a church setting sometime where somebody had to like confess some sin or something. Chances are it didn't feel very restorative, did it? Maybe kind of scary, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go back to that place, you know, like those kinds of things, right? Like, what if they find out about me? <laughs> but Paul says the goal here is restoration. The goal isn't to like bring the hammer down on somebody and kick them out. The goal is restoration. Because when there's brokenness in the community, if you ignore it, guess what you're going to wind up with? More brokenness. If there are places in a human body that aren't healthy, and if we ignore it, guess what we wind up with? More sickness. When our bodies get sick, we want them to be what? Restored. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it takes Surgery, and that hurts, but it's a crucial instrument for our general well-being. Paul wants the Galatians, he wants us to discover that the spiritual life is like that too. It's not fun to have those conversations, hey, I see something in your life. But it's hard to be like Jesus if we don't have anybody like that around us. Paul says it's got to be gentle. The goal is restoration, not separation. But if you build that kind of community, if you do that kind of thing, you will be strengthened, they will be strengthened, and all of you will be faithful in moments of temptation. It ain't easy but it's crucial. Now he's got some warnings too. He's like, here's how, you, here's how you relate to people, but you better be on guard if you're going to step into this kind of role. Before you ever have that, hey, I see some things in your life conversation, number one, take care, he says, that you yourselves are not tempted. Tempted by what, I wonder? Well, imagine. <laughs> You don't have to have much of an imagination to, to, to sort of think if you're like wanting to confront someone about something in their life that you're worried about. Like, you could be tempted to be harsh. I need to get this right. You could be tempted to some sort of prideful, I'm holier than you are thing in that moment. So it'd be a really good time to spend some time reflecting on the fact that the blood of Jesus was shed so that your transgressions could be forgiven as well. 
None of us are able to say, <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. Right? When Jesus ran into people who said, thank God that I'm not like that sinner over there, he had some choice words for them. And Paul is offering this community the same kind of thing. Like if you're going to be in that place where you go to someone in your small group or someone in your Sunday school class and say, you know, like I'm, I'm worried about you. I love you. I care about you. Don't like be prepared. You don't want to be tempted to harshness. You don't want to be tempted to sort of come across better, holier than someone else. You don't want to be tempted to exclude them instead of working to restore them. You don't want to be tempted, like you want to guard against those kinds of things. Because a community of accountable discipleship extends to all of us in each place. So if we're in that, we're guarding that, we're cultivating this compassion, this gentleness, this self-control, fruit of the Spirit. People know they're loved. I've learned from experience, it's a lot easier for me to accept correction from people I know who love me. There are times where people, I'm pretty sure they don't love me, try to correct me. I'm not super receptive to that. <laughs> there are other times where people who I'm unquestionably confident in their love for me come to me and say, hey, Matt, let's talk about this, this thing. If I know you love me, I'll be able to hear you. That goes for all of us, doesn't it? That goes for all of us. And so Paul invites them to to think about these things and to consider these things as they're under this pressure. There's all kinds of temptations. I mean, imagine, I mean, the conflict that they're dealing with, for Paul to write a letter with the severity of tone that he writes, the conflict's got to be pretty serious. You foolish Galatians. Like, you think maybe he's not being gentle enough sometimes. Like, we wonder sometimes, but this is the thing, right? And so they're in this, like, you can imagine when that sort of, Tension is there. It's easy for tempers to fly and for people to lose control and say things we'll regret. And so he's inviting them to consider, like if you're in that place of temptation, it's hard right now. And you're asking, how can we, how can we be like Jesus at this moment? This is the key. You go to the community, the body of Christ, and you cultivate this self-giving love, and you walk with each other when it's hard. Walk with each other in those places. Paul's reflections here help help us reframe sin also. It's easy for us to just sort of be frustrated. Ah, I can't believe that's come along. I have to deal with it. Sometimes we approach sin as kind of just like this inconvenience that, man, like, do we have to, like, why, why do we have to deal with this right now? But for Paul, like the, re- the reminder is, the reframing is, that sinemy isn't, sinemy, <laughs> sin is not an inconvenience to be navigated, it's an enemy to be destroyed. But we have to do battle against sin without destroying each other. That's the hard part. The church has got to be able to kill sin without killing our neighbors. 
some of you may feel like you were in a place one time and they weren't very good at that distinction. And maybe it burned you in relation to Jesus. That happens. It can happen a lot. It can happen easily. I hope you see a better vision. Vision of the body of Christ committed to the good of the other. That's what he says. Work for the good of all. Sometimes that means hard conversations, but it's always about the good of all. It's always about being healthier. It's always about bearing the burdens of another. Striking thing Paul says here, this is where we'll kind of bring it together. He says, when you bear the burdens of one another, you fulfill the law of Christ. Remember, this whole Galatians thing is a debate over the law. Do non-Jews have to obey the Old Testament law, the circumcision, the shellfish thing, right? All that stuff, like don't eat this and that. Like, is that for everybody? And Paul says, look, guys, let's talk about the law of Christ. Let's shift gears a little bit. He's not denigrating the Bible. He's not, he's not denigrating the Old Testament. For Paul, like the Old Testament, Sinai, Torah, Pentecost, like all that stuff, that's God's, that, that mediates and governs God's relationship with the Jewish people. Paul does not see all that, like all those stipulations transferring to non-Jewish persons in Galatia. That's why he wrote this letter. So he says, let's, let's not get distracted. Let's focus on the law of Christ. And who is Jesus? He's the one who came to bear your burdens in His body on the tree. He's the one whose blood was shed, whose body, whose flesh was torn so that the burden of your transgression. Could be taken away. And he did it to restore you. He doesn't come around and say, you dirty sinner. He says, come to me. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. To my family, to all my brothers and sisters whom I've redeemed. Jesus embodies everything Paul commends here compassion, gentleness. He takes sin seriously. If you question that Jesus takes sin seriously, you look at the man on the cross. His blood will tell you how seriously He takes our transgression. But who's not bleeding for my sin? Me. And who is? Jesus. Perfect, other-oriented love. Gentleness. Compassion. Self-control. Kindness. Patience. He is patient. The invitation is to reproduce all of that in the life of the community. A community that takes sin seriously. Like, this is not a thing to be played with. 
but a community that says, we're going to give everything we've got to make sure you can be whole. That's how you embody the character of Jesus. And it's hard. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.